Hey everybody, welcome to Make My Day Podcast. This is Luke Capriti. I'm here with Winston Moy and George Lahoff. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tired from a lot of travel the past two weeks, uh, but we'll definitely be getting into that. How are you doing, Winston? I'm doing good. Uh, I am a little tired, but clearly not as tired as you are because you've been just <laughs> jetting all over the country. It's been, it's been insane. It's been insane, and I'm I'm so happy to be at home. And I can't I can't get myself out of the workshop. I literally woke up at six thirty today and went straight to the workshop because I just I, I I missed it way too much. <laughs> I'm sure your neighbors are happy about that. Right? Oh, I tried <laughs> I tried to be quiet. I, I did a test right. So when I first moved into the garage, I like put on like. Uh, what's it, like the loudest thing I got? It's like I got the joiner going and a table. So I just turned it on and went outside, closed the door and just listened. And I was like, it's not that bad. You know, it, it wasn't too bad. So hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to put up with me for the foreseeable future. <laughs> it's funny that you talk about that. This morning, I was actually looking up soundproofing material. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like the cones and everything for a studio. Um, just out of curiosity. But well, Win- Winston's done some research yet. for that. You should you should uh, hit him up because uh, I, I mean, asked him for some of the stuff for my room at least. I bought some of the cheap stuff. It works okay to reduce echo, but it is not what I would consider soundproofing mm-hmm. material. So it's mm-hmm. I don't know. You can you can buy the cheap stuff, but just understand that if it doesn't have some mass and heft, it's probably not going to be as effective as you're hoping for. Um, okay. But every little bit helps, like especially. Um, like if you put like sound deadening blankets on the walls, like I've heard that helps quite a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like, I don't know if uh, insulating the garage door itself helps, but really screw the neighbors. The only opinion that matters is that of your significant <laughs> Like other. your wife or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> They'll deal she with it. She can sleep through anything. So yeah, I think, I think she'll be okay with it. <laughs> How's your week nice. been uh, Luke? How, how have you been the past two weeks since we've last spoken? Um, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I know January was tough. Uh, I was real stressed with schoolwork and everything. We just recently kind of settled into the house in the sense of we had an idea what our projects were. Um, February, I think I started to get organized. Nice. So I felt better about, you know, things. Um, I was able to get some grading off my plate, which that always kind of clears my mind. And we've made significant progress in the house. My father-in-law is actually helping me out right now by um, making sure the dishwasher is installed properly. Oh, nice. So, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome having him uh, there to help. But, uh, yeah, we've we've made significant progress. That's made both of us happy. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now. So, so now you're in your new house? Like We're seeing you in your new house there? or are you in your? Yeah, you can see. Okay, there we go. Nice. There's a huge Home Depot return pile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bought way too many things. I kind of go there by double and then figure I'll return it eventually. It's just it's starting to really, really grow, and I need to need to get rid of it soon enough. But I've heard that'll that's the way to do it tomorrow. <laughs> nice, nice, awesome. So, so um, I figured we could kind of go over mine and Winston's busy, at least our busy trip. We both just hit up WorkbenchCon. Um, oh yeah. And and we've been we've been going to WorkbenchCon together for this is the third time, and we almost yeah, didn't go this year. OG crew, <laughs> OG crew, part <laughs> of the. I think I probably still have all my badges still sitting around somewhere, um, and and I think so. I remember hearing about WorkbenchCon. I think Winston, you might have like posted on Facebook or or just said, "Hey, I'm going to this thing. Any of like my fellow makers or woodworkers interested?" And that was when I was just getting started, right? Three years ago, I just 
you know, I was even thinking this is I'll, I'll start a YouTube page and everything just around that time. I'm like, shoot, yeah, I'll, I'll go. This sounds like a great opportunity. Um, and then, you know, we've been going ever since because the value from it has just been, um, you know, pretty insane. And and for me, I don't know about you, Winston, but for me, it's been growing every single year, you know, and and, and that might relate more to how my business and YouTube channel have been growing as well, because in the beginning, and you know, still relatively small, but in the beginning, really not known, very, very small, getting out just a few couple products um, uh, to, to where I am now. And now, uh, one thing I mentioned to Winston, when we were there, I was like, this, this is crazy. Like, in the beginning, it was like, wow, I don't, there's so many people who are, I don't know any of them, uh, even a lot of the big names. I'm pretty sure I didn't even know Jimmy Duresta when I first got started. And, and that, that gives you like a big scale of like how much I did not know. To this year, it was catching up with people. It wasn't as much of, hey, I'm George, uh, I'm Maker's Best Friend. It was like, hey, Mark, how you guys doing? You know, how's everybody doing uh, this year and, and catching up with everybody, which just shows like the growth of, of the community that's being built by this conference that's on a smaller form factor. Is that what you kind of got from it, Winston, you think, or, or what? See, the the best part for me is always catching up with people, um, reconnecting, reinforcing those friendships. I rarely go into it for like the brand stuff, but from a the, like a networking perspective, it is the single best event I've ever been to. And it's very different from like a Maker Fair. Where, a statement. <laughs> well, I mean, at a Maker Fair, a lot of the people... They're, they're just like casual makers. They don't have YouTube channels or Instagram um, pages where they're specifically um, like trying to uh, have a business or something. Um, some of them might, but the majority of people there are, are sort of just like casual makers or like kids, parents, uh, teachers. And it's like... It's not the same. When you can walk into a room and literally every single person is someone you really want to talk to and you can learn from, um, it it's it's a little overwhelming, but it's it's also just great just to be in that room and feel the energy and, and just get inspired from every conversation you have. A hundred percent. I mean a hundred percent. The having an event that's focused on content creators and influencers and people who are trying to make a business of um making things and, and getting paid it's uh it's a great way to just bounce ideas off people and uh just learn a lot from anyone you talk to it's kind of a unique experience in that um you you just you can't find that specific niche um anywhere else yeah and i think it, it's it'd be good to actually give a quick overview i mean for, for luke and everybody what Workbench Con is. So, so it's the only conference I've ever been to. Um, uh, somehow I've never made it to a Maker Fair, even though they're in New York, to be honest. Um, and, and the way I, I always tell people, it's it's like Maker slash Woodworker, and uh, all type of Makers. You got Metal Workers, Ring Makers we met this year, all type of Makers. And it meets, um, how I like to say it, like social media aspects. So all, everybody there um, seems to be trying to grow their business through Instagram and YouTube and understanding how to use all those different platforms. Pinterest was a big talk um, at one point. Um, and, and it doesn't really focus on skill building completely. There's there's some sessions on it. So they have like epoxy uh, classes on it. Um, they had a welding truck out there. I didn't make it. I don't know if Winston, you made it on the second day. Um, Unfortunately not. Oh, man. I, I was upset that I didn't get to that. But 
but but it really does focus on um, the combination of the, that type of maker lifestyle uh, and trying to grow through those sources, um, and, and and that's that's why I probably jumped on it with you because I know I knew that's where I wanted to grow. I think I always look at social media as um, free advertisement for the business. I I, I do want to make stuff. I do want to sell it, but I also want to be entertainment at the same time and show people how to make it. So kind of hitting a bunch of different aspects in that. I, I know Winston, your your videos are you know, extremely educational as well as, um, uh, you know, visually uh, fun to watch the entire time. So, so I think it really fits that type of, uh, group of people a lot. I think if that's, I don't know if that's what you guys kind of agree with, but from what you've seen. Yeah. Something that I, um, was, we were talking about right before we got on this call, right. Was how uh, I've been to a conference before, but not workbench con and, you know, I felt like after this conference, I forget the name of it, but it was primarily just entrepreneurial with a few different um, sectors that you could kind of choose from. I chose technology because it seemed to be most related to what I wanted to do. Um, but really, once I was done with it, like reflecting back on it, I was like, I don't know, that that wasn't really worth it. It was a fun time in Boston. I got to um, meet up with a friend that I didn't um, see for a while. You know, he was an old high school friend. Um, one of my, my soccer teammates and everything. So it was fun. But for the most part, I didn't feel like I learned a lot from it or mm. built strong relationships. I also didn't know any of these people. And we weren't. How big was it? How many people were there? Oh, it, it was large. It was, um, I mean, you were talking like a few different plazas within Boston, some of the like larger theaters. So a few hundred, if not maybe like a thousand or so. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was big in my mind. Um, but yeah, once I was done with it, like we talked anything from politics and global warming down to like artificial intelligence and um you know like that kind of stuff it was very much just open ended and um i i guess i expected something different uh and yeah i don't know when i hear workbench con though i do think maybe there's some skill building maybe there's some how to you know use social media in different ways and those are all great and I think one of Winston's stories, I think it was, I don't think he posted about it, but it was like in this picture, there's so many of my friends or um, something to that extent. And I was like, wow, that that seems like a cool place to go. I definitely want to be there at some point, you know, maybe I don't make it this year, but next year seems like that's kind of going to be a, a goal for 2021. I really want to be there and um, just kind of learn what I can learn from that event. And um, that's what I'm more hoping to kind of like hear from you guys what you really got out of it and how I missed out so bad on, <laughs> <laughs> on a, you know, WorkFetchCon 2020. But yeah, sorry if I just kind of went off on a tangent. It was something that was on my mind. I wanted to get off that. No, I think, I think you nailed it. And, and it's really one of those conferences where the people are what makes it. They, everybody has said to this point, if you don't even want to go to the conference, just go to Atlanta during this time frame and sit at the bar from, I don't know, from 6 p.m. until 3 a.m. And you, that you're going to have so much value from just sitting at the hotel bar and talking to all the people. And that's all they do. It's just loud because everybody's talking the entire time and meeting all these different people. They're, they're, they're almost entire conferences at the hotel bar the whole time during that time frame. And, and that's where a lot of the value even comes from it alone. Um, so it, it really is the people that ends up making it. Um, this year in particular, uh, there were some, some of the sessions that I attended that, um, I, I remember I went up to one of them, uh, the guy, uh, 
designs by Donnie is his is his Instagram handle. Um, and I, I went straight up to him. I said, I've been here for three years and that was the best session I've gotten to have um, since since coming here the first time. Did you did you have a chance to go to that one, Winston, the one by by Donnie? I did not, unfortunately. Okay, um, there were just too many. There's so many, <laughs> so many compelling. That's, but but what his talk was, um, he had he had a hell of a story. Um, he was to the point of um, losing his apartment. Um, had no, literally, not enough money for gas money to the point where he had to walk one time to pick his wife up from work. And it was it was to you know he he was he like he humbled he was so humble in in his entire journey of um, you know he's got kids and sending them to school it was hard to even figure out like lunch and everything he was in a real rough spot and he turned it around greatly by this woodworking business um, and how he learned how to navigate Instagram and really market to certain areas um, and what he would do and I, I thought it was I thought it was genius. So he, he makes really big, rustic type of uh, woodworking pieces. So he started with this giant woodworking bench. Um, and it's it, it's it's huge. I think he said the back height of the bench is um, almost six foot high. So think about that from sitting on a bench. The, the back of your piece is like close to six foot high. That, it's it's insane. Um, and and um, he, for, from all the centuries I've ever been to, he was the first one that actually I thought was completely honest about exactly how he went out and marketed to make the money um, and get to where he was today. Um, some of the very simple things that I took away were using hashtags in the areas um, of what he wanted to target. So he would actually look up demographics of the areas around him, find uh, the areas that were in the wealthier uh uh, part of the country and target those through uh, through hashtags. Um, so he would he would hashtag the county and then the town, and then he would go up to the front door of the realtor, um, uh, all the couple of realtors in the area, and ask them if they would even um, want um, like a cutting board or whatnot for their welcome gifts uh, for for new house owners. And he'd put his card there because uh, it, it made complete sense, right? You're giving these people just buy a new house; they're gonna get furniture next. So if you're getting the wealthier people, they might actually be able to afford the furniture that he was looking to make. And he said he doesn't make one piece of furniture that's less than 10000 a piece at this point because of the demographics that he's targeting. And, and it's insane to me. And it, it made it, he, he's got these slides. Um, I don't think they're public, but he goes through just the amount of detail he went to market himself to the right people. Um, and... I asked him because I was like, oh, this sounds great. But one, you know, one thing that I always know um, makes a business successful is how many um, of your customers actually come back for more. And he said he's over 50 percent, which is a huge, huge rate of return on customers coming back for more furniture. Um, so so that alone was a session that it blew my mind. I, I was sitting there. I was just I was like laser focused within the entire time. And he had so much value. He couldn't even finish it in the hour time slot he had. So he he had so many more slides to go through, and he was just constantly going into so much detail, and every single piece of it was valuable, and, and we couldn't even get it all from him. So um, that that's just one really great example of, of something that came out from from uh, uh, th this this year's workbench con for myself at least. That that was definitely my favorite session. I'm kind of disappointed I missed that. <laughs> I mean, the the talks I went to were great. Uh, I went to one by uh, Jonathan Katz Moses. 
one by Anne Briggs, and they both did a really good job of sort of breaking down, giving us like a cross-section of how their business runs, and that was great and all, but it sounds like this, the talk you went to was uh, the next level. But see, see, you just said that, and those were the two, so I was only able to go one day because I had a wedding on Saturday. I had to leave out Saturday morning, and those two sessions I wanted to go to also, and I was like so upset because, you know, they have their own takes on it, right? And um, she does social media marketing, and uh, did she talk about Pinterest at all with her session, or? Uh, no, it was more just like um, sources of income. So like how if she built a table, like she might be able to sell it for like $2,000, but if she makes a video out of it, if she makes lessons out of it, if she makes plans out of it, and, uh, okay. and builds up all these additional things behind one project, you can like quadruple the value of that. And it's not to say that like that extra like passive income that you would get from selling plans or the videos or the, the marketing sponsorships, whatever, that comes free, but you might put in like maybe double the number of hours into this project, but you get quadruple the return on investment. So it's it's about how you can um, just make the best use of what you're doing. See that that's that's something that I don't I don't even do at this point, and I should be because I I actually. You know, uh, I, this, I don't know if this is common. I actually enjoy making woodworking plans. And if you do it um, kind of before you start whatever you're making, you'll find it that much easier to make it. That's like that's guaranteed with everything I ever built. You know, if I had the plans beforehand, you, you cut the, the sizes, the piece, everything just it just less stressful through the, throughout the entire build. And I kind of think it's fun when at the end of your piece, not only do you have your piece, you have these plans that just are they look great and, and people want to take it and read it and use it. I just never really understood how much, you know, monetary value or even if people are interested in that type of thing. So I never fully committed to it. Did, did she say how much she gets from it or? I, I don't remember. I got to email her to try and get that slide deck because there, there's a lot of information and a, a lot of business sense in it that I don't have. Yeah. Um, but So yeah. George, uh, um, I want to, completely disagree with what you said I <laughs> when somebody gives me a plan and remember i said like in my little bio about ikea furniture i wonder oh, if yeah. it comes from there it's like when i see that i'm like where's part j or where's the 64 inch long piece and you know th there's a lot of stuff where for me following someone else's plan actually is somewhat frustrating to me because then I start nitpicking at it and saying, oh, they should have done this or why didn't they do X, Y, or Z, right? See, um, see you say you disagree, but that's exact. I, I agree completely with what you're saying. I meant your own plans. Like if you plan out and, and you like sketch out exactly how you're going to do it. But that's why I don't make the plans to sell because I don't know how much value it is for other people to have my plans. The same thing you're kind of exactly okay. what you're saying. Because I, 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 everybody got, you know, the IKEA, throw that manual away, figure out yourself type of thing. <laughs> but do other people get value from, you know, they see your piece and they don't understand how to put together and they want those plans step by step? Or do they want to just figure out how to do it themselves? You know, I, I've never really known how far people want to go with that type of thing. And I think that's just like most other markets get every supplement protein powder go all out with the dieting and whatnot right um then you're gonna have people who are that's like yeah true. i'll eat healthy but ooh, that's a pizza over there i'm gonna have a slice um and then every other you know iteration of that um however you know when it comes to making 
you're probably just like me where I'm focused, oh, all makers think like me. Um, in my mind, I want to make my own plans. I like the whole idea of customizing it to whether it's the color in my house or the um, area that I have. I know you said you've made like a corner entertainment system, right? Not everybody has that corner entertainment area. So in my mind, lots of times I just block out that, oh, if everybody has the exact same exactly. house as me, then they would want this plan. But I don't think that's true. So why would they want it? And that's a poor way to think, um, according to, who was it, Ann Bridge? Um, Briggs. Winston? Ann Briggs, okay, Ann Briggs. And how really people might see that plan and say, oh, I know how to modify it because I'm good enough at this or I've done it before. And they will modify it, but they don't need you to tell you how to modify. And I think as an engineer, it's a gift and a curse that you can think through things and you're smart, as everybody says. Um, however, you overthink things. And I'm, <laughs> I still feel like I'm like that, where I overthink what people want and whatnot. Instead of make it, try it out, see if it works. People probably love the wine barrel oh, thing. Yeah. Because oh, Because I know yeah. my biggest question for you with that is where do you source your wine barrels? Do you have a family friend? Um, you know, how is that? But again, that's kind of besides the point. In your plans, you might say, go check out your local winery um, or, you know, however you do end up getting it. But it is, it's cool to think it through for yourself because it makes it easier once you get into the shop. Um, and if you're already doing that work, it makes sense now listening to, you know, some of these people who've made um, significant amount of money doing it. But sell your plans or even give them out for free and um, tell them to get them on your YouTube channel. So then you do have that, um, at least another view or subscriber. But um, I know this is all something that I've wanted to do for a long period of time. And I've just, I haven't taken that next step because I've kind of said, ah, eh, people don't really want it. Um, they want to <laughs> make their own stuff or their house isn't like mine. Um, so, yeah. So, so to that, because I, I, again, I, I agree completely with what you're saying. And, and that whole engineering point of just overthinking and designing everything. I've thought about to the point where I want to make and and I haven't done this because again I don't I don't know if the value's there. I wanted to make my as you said my, my furniture I make it to fit a specific corner of my house. So I wanted to make my PDFs interactive where you measure the size of that piece of your wall, you put it in, and it changes the rest of the dimensions in it to fit that that length of the wall and see if that's value for, valuable because that's that I don't think that's as difficult to do, but. But do, do people actually want that? Because people, if they're building themselves, then they probably want to just build it themselves at that point. You know, I, I'm not sure. I haven't really seen the the real push to do go go full at that full throttle. I, mean, I that think that's yet, an so. awesome idea. Um, I could see how um, people would first need to get used to that. Maybe um, I know for me in my woodworking class, what I did was I had this little basic algebraic equation for when we we're making our picture frame. And the way I had ripped down all the boards, they were anywhere from like one and a half inches to about two inches wide. And so everybody's picture frame is gonna be slightly different based off of the width of their wood. And I don't need to get into all the hmm. details of it, but essentially they had to do two times whatever the width they measured, and then they had to add 3.75 because I wanted them to have a four inch wide space. And I figured with a little bit of gotcha. um, room for error. So um, for a four by six inch picture frame. So with that in mind, when I showed my kids the equation, they started freaking out saying, I thought this was woodworking class, not math. <laughs> but in my mind, I thought I was helping them out by breaking down every step. 
really, in this case, I should have assumed they would be able to figure this out on their own before presenting it um, in such a scary way. I mean, myth mathematical way. So what I'm saying is like, overthinking a project works well for you or me to understand like the building and assembling process, um, but it becomes complicated for someone who just needs like the guiding directions. Um, also something that I've tried, like having someone else, particularly not a uh, quote unquote maker, read your instructions and provide you know tips for editing it. That'll go a long way to make it much easier for someone else to understand. Um, you know, for instance, I've had my wife do that for me with my classes. Um, obviously not in this picture frame case, um, and I see how that was a big mistake. Um, and I plan to continue to use her for her brutal honesty, which I really appreciate. But I found even my guidance counselors at my school, uh, they were a huge help uh, for me they proofread, proofread one of my um, projects that we did uh, after school. It was for a workshop. And they really were able to break it down. They even walked through the entire thing and built a sample, what we were calling a pictured board. Um, and they were able to help me clarify the project directions really well. And even break down things like when and where I should have tools. So, you know, having others review your your project details or directions. Um, maybe even in your case, you could have Winston, me, or other maker friends, you know, try your plans out. But uh, either way, having others look at over it is super beneficial to you. I like that a lot. Try it, like try it out first with some friends, see how they, what they think of your plans. And yeah, that, that's definitely interesting. Well, that, that, that sounds pretty useful. So, so, so I guess, so, Winston, she, she didn't give a breakdown of, you know, sources of revenue from these different avenues and, and what, you know, might be better to concentrate on by, by priority because of that. Uh, anything she like that, did. Or... But again, I don't have the percentages off the top of my head. I know okay. some other people took notes. I took almost no notes, which is uh, mental notes. <laughs> it, it just shows how well that worked out for me. Um, but it's, it's really more just about recognizing the potential that's out there. Like, my business breakdown is not going to be the same as hers or anyone else. Um, but if I know that, hey, I'm leaving some money on the table, I can try and fix that or address that. Um, she also talked about, like, doing uh, courses on, on um, paywall sites like uh, Skillshare. And it's interesting. And I could definitely put together, like, a course on CNC. But it's some of those things. Oh, just, so she made a core. They're not in oh, my nature. Okay. Like I try and open source as much as what I do, like as I can on YouTube. And so it's probably not an avenue I'm going to go down. Um, See, I think I would have thought that would have been perfect for a guy with, with your experience. And the amount of people um, that I hear just complain about how CNCs and modeling to this day still boggles their mind. And, um, I, I mean, I w that, that sounds interesting to me that I didn't know that you could actually go to Skillshare and I guess, uh, probably apply to, to, to put a course in or something to, for them to pay for it. I never knew that was an option either. It's probably another option. I, again, same thing here. I mean, how much effort can I put into it and how much money will, um, and, and again, this is all about money. We do this as our side gigs cause we, we, we do love it, but 
you know, it, you know, we do aim to either make it a full-time thing or get the money back to pay for more of the work we're doing. So, so that's why, um, I find that pretty, pretty, pretty interesting for sure. Yeah. Just remember always tools cost money, wood costs money, metal costs money. So it's there. It's part of the game that we play to continue making stuff. Exactly. I gotta, like you said. I got to remember that about the wood because every time I go to Lowe's for just like, you know, oh, I need this much more. I, I go and just grab it at this point. I don't even think about it. Yeah. Any more wood. Let me go grab as much as I need and, and throw it's it in there. And it does, just, <laughs> just like doesn't phase me because I end up buying it so often for so many different things. It's just like, it's just what I need, you know, to get the job done at that point. But kind of going along those lines, I mean, so, so there was those value added classes, um, um, on things to teach us with and, and Winston and I can go into, to more of those exact details, but there was also um, one one uh, seminar that Winston and I attended that was way more of a motivational thing, um, and it, it hit really hard home. So, so a lot of the guys, uh, again, the everybody that goes there is in similar situations or they've gone full time. So you either got people doing this as a side hustle, um, and they're looking to make it bigger, or you got you have those guys who've made gone full time. And um, there was one session by uh, Modustrial Mike and Johnny Builds. Um, Johnny Builds has been um, somebody I've actually been uh, following for a while and I've met in the first year. And when he first went to WorkbenchCon, he had uh, less than 500 subscribers on YouTube. Um, you know, not, not a name anybody knew by any type of means. And I'm looking it up real quick so I don't butcher this. Um, but he is now at, sorry, my keyboard, 263,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, the guy has blown up in in three years. Um, he's a full time um, police detective, and he does this as a side gig. Um, and then Mike also was a patent attorney, and he finally in January just left that job to do this full time. So they went into this entire motivational speech about um, how not to give up, how how they started making it big. Uh, Johnny probably would have went full time at this point uh, because he's finally last year, he said um, he finally made uh, his police detective salary the same amount through his side gig of, of YouTube and woodworking. Uh, but he's about to retire in two years, so it doesn't make sense for him to leave at this point. Um, uh, and, and Mike set up a t deadline that January of this year, um, I guess in the first workbench con, he set that up that January this year, he was going to retire. He was going to leave it and, and do this full time no matter what. And he, he did that. And, and, and they went into um, their stories of how they got here and how it, it was a struggle and how they, they actually leaned on each other a lot uh, to keep themselves moving forward and growing. Um, and I, I thought that was it, it was, it was inspirational for sure. And, and nice to hear it. And it kind of gets you going even more to the point of, you know, you're learning all this stuff now, but people did struggle and they made it. They're, they're, they're clear examples of people we knew and they they've grown to an, a huge um, uh, standing in the community now. Um, what, what you get from that, Winston? You were you were right there with me as well. I was getting I got I got completely motivated. But but I mean, you're you're at you're at one of those levels closer to them. So I, I was always curious how you felt as well. It's I think that one. It, it's definitely a motivational talk um, at its core. Um, and just recognizing how big a jump they did make, um, like especially Johnny going from like three digits to six <laughs> digits, that's huge. Um, I am 
like I can't imagine that because the growth rate of my channel has been more or less um, linear. Um, the the rate has gone from like maybe four five hundred subs a month to like a thousand thirteen hundred, um, which is it's a big wow, jump, but it's not exponential. And um, those two together have um, they have it really seems like they've helped each other grow. Um, and like having someone to lean on, like I think Johnny was saying, like he sent Mike some like his videos to get feedback and they, they have a really good, um, uh, support network just to help each other. Like, Hey, I think you should change the thumbnail or like, uh, tweak this in your video. Um, and I think the quality shows in what they produce. Um, so I think out of that talk, maybe you don't get some business sense, but you should realize the importance of having other people in the community that you can lean on for advice and be open about it. Like a lot of us are, are afraid to help, to ask for help. And I think when you have that kind of open dialogue with someone, you can like, you can ask them like, Hey, be honest. What do you think of this video um, or this project? That is, that's just as important as, as having a good business plan. One question that I have is kind of going back to how they helped each other. So I know you said, you know, providing honest feedback. Is that really the most help that I could give, say, you guys or you could give me? Um, or is there another technique or thing that they've done um, that they also talked about? Just because that sounds awesome to have like this friend essentially you've made probably started virtually and then met in real life. Um, and so, yeah, we all met in person, but to stay connected now through social media and other technological forms, um, how can I be helping you guys or my other, you know, maker friends on Instagram, Facebook, or outside of that? So I think um, in addition to just like feedback about the, the things you do on a daily basis, like making videos, like building projects, the other thing is just having someone you can bounce ideas off of like uh and not just like project ideas i mean like um let's say company x offered to sponsor you and you're like do i take this you can bounce that idea off a fellow content creator you can't really do that with like your significant other or like your your friends at work because they don't really understand having someone else who's in the same field um it gives you a, a way to get something off your chest that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do i don't how do you feel about that george uh, agree, agreed completely. Um, you, you rely on the people who have experience or just an outside perspective, but understand similar things. I mean, you can relate it to work as engineers or, or whatever you guys do. Um, do you just do your job and not ask your coworkers what they think and not get the feedback that you just submit, you know, a project or do you have those reviews and you go through and you make it better? It's, it's very similar. I mean, it, it, everything can kind of be carried over to the YouTube world. It was actually funny. They, they brought up a di direct um, example of that in which the help wasn't as useful, but but it, it's it, it was a funny situation where um, Johnny had this had this video that he want he thought it was going to nail it. He thought it was going to be huge. It was um, I think it was an epoxy table of some sort. And he sent uh, Mike this uh, thumbnail that he wanted to use of it like a perfect visual of him pouring epoxy into it and mike's like no no don't do that put up a picture of the finished product it's gonna look much nicer he does that for three days he gets not a huge amount of views he was really disappointed he's like you know what 
I'm going to go with my own feelings for this. So he went through and actually poured his, um, uh, put up the thumbnail of the epoxy. And I took this as, as two lessons learned, I'll get to, but put the thing as epoxy. And he got, I think he said, like a million views almost instantly after that on the video. So so two things came from that for me. One is, um, you know, always get the feedback because it, it could have been helpful. Um, and, and just talking through it, he did try his own and had other ideas as well. Two, on YouTube, the initial thumbnail does not matter for, for the first day. Um, I actually tested this out with one of my videos. Uh, I went through and I changed the thumbnail. And I don't know if it on YouTube... Um, maybe just restarts um, some type of tracker and, and starts advertising your videos again. But if you put in a, a thumbnail a couple of days after, or even for me, it was a month after, I actually saw a growth. It wasn't, it didn't become viral, but I saw a growth just jump from changing the thumbnail. So I was like, huh, I wonder if YouTube acts like that's almost like re-putting up a video of some sort. I'm not really too sure there. Um, but it does work. It worked. It worked for him. He went viral after three days of not having any views on a video. So I, I took that as, as something from home. But but I always look at value. Um, I, I mean, I always reach out to Winston. I, and I use my sister as well um, uh, for feedback of, hey, what did you think of the video? Um, and, and obviously, Luke, now that now that we've gotten closer, um, you know, check out the video. Like, what did you not like? What what was boring? I want I want as brutal feedback as possible because I I think um, I think I'm actually able to judge and help others. But I'm one of those people that I don't see it when I make something myself a lot of times. So I, if I gave somebody feedback about their video, if I had the same video, I wouldn't be able to understand that feedback for myself. So I need that outside input a lot of the times. Um, so so. I think more outside help the better. Um, collaborations are huge. That that's always been seen. If you if you build a product with um, somebody else, you're bringing both audiences, um, and you're starting to build together in that type of sense. Um, and and another thing is, you know, Instagram. You don't have to put a post on on your feed, but you know, in your stories, repost somebody's work that you're like, wow, that was great, guys. Check this guy out. That that's all extremely helpful at that point. You know what I mean? That that that's how. You, this is not a uh, a business for business thing in, in my mind at least it is a, a community where we're all trying to build upon each other and, and make this more of a thing um, so th that, that that's kind of my take on that Winston. I would like to add one more thing is that having um, someone who has basically an open door policy to critique your stuff they can also just remind you like hey bro you forgot to put like end credits on your video or something and just help remind you about little things that you might have uh, forgotten to do or opportunities that you're missing like hey like like dude that would have been perfect you like you should have hit up total boat to like sponsor that epoxy project or something uh just little things to remind you of things you could do better i i think that makes i think that makes a lot of sense i mean so so look i'm kind of curious actually because you do a, a completely kind of diff, different business model i'm not sure if you, you still do um all the different um okay. for what they yeah, craft fairs and stuff. <laughs> I, I always, it always, it always gets lost for me. So, in terms of that, when you go to those, do you see like a lot of the same similar businesses there, and and get to like meet with the, those type of guys and learn from them? Is is that does that kind of carry over, or is it like you guys go in and you you guys are your own thing, and it is more of a B two B business and and versus each other type of thing? I don't know if it's versus each other. I think. If you go to a good fair, what I've known, and remember, I haven't done a ton of these. I've only really done a handful of them. 
But from what I've learned, I've done everything from, I think it was a 12 business fair up to hundreds. Um, so Mayfair in Collingswood is a huge fair um, in a town very close to where I live and very fun to go to. I've been to it before I was a maker. And then once as a maker, it's just enormous. The amount of people that came through was awesome. Um, it actually was the worst one that I ever went to. Had the most hmm. people walk through, most compliments um, that I felt like I ever got at a fair, um, the least number of sales by far. Um, so I thought that was kind of odd. There wasn't like a correlation to the number of people that we could get in. Um, I don't really know exactly what happened there, but that's just an interesting uh, topic. Or, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Now I went to one where it was the 12, I'm pretty sure it was 12 businesses. Um, and we had anything from pottery to painting to, you know, our stuff like woodworking and crafts. There were soaps, you know, so everybody was different. There was no overlap whatsoever. And that mm -hmm. was the best one I ever went to. So it seemed like having something that's more curated, I think is the word, towards a certain clientele, then you can almost guarantee is not going to be the right word, but you can almost guarantee that. The people who go there, they want to spend money. So if you have a good product, they're ready to look for something to buy, right? So you just have to catch their eye or talk to them or have the right product that they're looking for. Um, one other thing that yeah. I think I've learned from these craft fairs is the timing of it. So um, holidays, people are more willing to spend money, whether it's because you're in a good mood or you're like, oh my God, I need to sell a gift <laughs> get or get gift as soon for as somebody. <laughs> yeah, so um, they'll get something custom made for them for their Christmas gift or whatever you celebrate. And so the Mayfair one, that was just before summer. So it's in May. And um, that's where I'm thinking, oh, you know what? It's the end of the school year. Um, people might have some vacations coming up. They're probably trying to hold in their cash a little bit and just spending the day um, kind of, you know, walking through the stores and seeing what's out there. Um, so maybe it's something to do with timing. Maybe it was too hot out and I didn't have any refreshments for people to, you know, draw them in. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, in those craft shows, I tried very hard with that 12 person one to talk to everybody. Yeah. I'm going to definitely have to get with you before I do one of these because it, it really just just from hearing you talk about it, they, they're so different, um, like so many different avenues of whatever way we're taking the business and how to grow and and, and how to make the, the, the money based off the what we're trying to do. Because I've done Etsy and I like Etsy, um, but but that's definitely a different mindset. So I'm, I'm going to have to get with you um, kind of on that that before that. I mean, that that, that sounds huge. Um so, so one more thing I wanted to mention about WorkbenchCon real quick, because um, we've talked about value through people. We've talked about value through sessions. Um, and, and one thing, Winston, you mentioned you don't really go there for, but I'm, I've been trying to hit hard are the sponsors. So when you walk in there, um, it, they did it kind of different this year. They had a row of sponsors on the left um, who were like one tier of their sponsors and then the higher tier of sponsors that were there's like four of them with much bigger booths um or maybe there's five of them um and they were off to the right and some of them are there just to tell them about your product like sketchup was there and and they're, they're more to just try and get more people to use sketchup and and things like that um but one of the companies there i i mean i remember telling winston from the first year i was like how is there not 
a camera company here. These guys are all social media people. They like to t- they need good pictures. They need good videos, good sound quality. And this year they had B and H. And I went up to them. I was like, "Hey guys, it, it's it's great. You guys are here. Um, I've been telling them you have to be there since the first year, and I'm happy they actually took that feedback. And you guys are here to work with a lot of people. Um, and and what you know, based off the different level of social media person you are, you'll get different interactions with people. So if you're like a Jimmy Dressa level, they're probably right ready to sign up. They they've been trying to get in contact with him more than the other way around. Um, but if you're kind of still getting started and on on my type of level. Um, what they'll do is they'll have an email where you can pitch them or they'll have a form there you sign and pitch right away. Um, and you won't get a deal with everybody because, again, almost everybody there is probably trying to get the same type of deal. Um, but a lot of them will do trials or, or product trades. And if that's kind of what you're looking, this is one of those avenues where you actually get to be one and one-on-one with these companies and the, the, the exact person who gets who has the budget to choose who they're going to be investing in for that year. Those people are there at this conference. Um, so I find that insanely valuable. I reach out to all the ones that, act, you know, I only try to go with companies that actually align with what I've been doing. Like I mentioned to you guys, I was, I was working with SketchUp and I'm, I've been loving it. So I went up to them and spoke to them a whole bunch about, um, you know, what I've been trying to do and just, and, and actually I kind of learned a lot from them. Um, one of the guys they had there, has these like three hour YouTube videos, which nobody ever likes to watch a three hour YouTube video, but I'm kind of interested now because I showed him the Iron Man, um, the Iron Man uh, mask that Winston and I made and CNC'd out. And I'm like, hey, I've been trying to do this for Black, Black Panther, but there's no real good model of Black Panther out there that's for free or even available. And he's like, oh, well, I've got these three hour videos on how to walk step by step and create the actual model yourself, which is a skill set I don't have. So even that type of interaction with the company itself on them trying to show you how to use their tools better, um, like I'm convinced I'm going to get a saw stop now. Stop, saw stop or saw stop? Saw stop. Uh, stop saw it. Saw stop. I was I was reverse it, <laughs> but but um, just by going up to the the machine and them walking me through how intelligent it is, I didn't know that it had this capability. But you could actually turn the safety feature off, put the wood up to the blade, turn it on. And an LED will tell you if the saw would have dropped based off um, your the wetness of your wood. So I was like, that's huge. So, you know, I don't have a sensor. And if you want to make sure that your wood's okay to actually run through it, there's actually a, a, a sensor for that that'll tell you. I, that, that was like, that's that's huge to me. And they had this new product. Uh, it's a smaller version that's more affordable for my range. And, and now I'm convinced to actually go and buy that because I wanted something a little bit safer for my shop with the table saw. And, and you get that interaction that you wouldn't get otherwise. So that's just another huge value added for me, um, at least. I know, I know, Winston, I'm not sure if you, you get that as well, because you, you said you don't go there for that those type of interactions with those people, but you do go and talk to them. So what do you kind of get from them? I think, so like, for example, when <laughs> I went to the, the rock <laughs> um, I was specifically look specifically looking for like, what's what's their new product this year just so that i have an awareness of it and they had this uh, pretty nifty uh, drill press um thing where you hook up your your own uh like 18 volt drill to it and you can um drill holes at an angle or straight down um and that's a nice trick and that's something that's that's up my alley um but i mean i also know what their uh, traditional catalog has so i'm specifically looking for like what's new what should be on my radar is it worth approaching this company because certain companies like you know like this is their product there are others on the market and 
um, it's you, you could court one specific company, but there are dozens of the same thing out there. So I'm looking for unique things. Um, and I'm also looking just for like staying on good terms with the companies I have worked with before, like Total Boat, um, like Home Depot. So um, I'm not really aggressive in seeking out new companies, but at the very least, I'm trying to, to stay on good terms with the companies I do have relationships with. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I think. I mean, it it, it is at the point, um, uh, Luke, where where we go through and the people we're talking to, it's like, hey, it's great to see you again from the company, right? It, the the same people from Home Depot, the same people from Total, and it, it's it's again, it's at this point, it's not, hey, it's great to meet. It's a, hey, how have you been the past year? What have you been up to? And it's it's catching up. You know these people now. It's it's a whole nother personal level at the scale. That this conference goes on at i know yeah that's something that is almost like mind-boggling to me in a way that you're talking to home depot representatives or rockler representatives and um you know it's like well why would they even spend any time with me or right even though you're the one who's approaching them and there's you know only so many people there it's funny in my head it doesn't make sense and i don't know um for me i don't think i'm um like winston in the sense of I wouldn't go out there looking for a sponsor, but I think that I wouldn't be like you, George, where <laughs> I really am going there for a sponsor. Not that that's all you're doing. Like, I'm not trying to. No, I, but you, you nailed I can know. I, I go straight up to them. I'm going for some <laughs> deals, man. I'm very forward. I, I, I'm, okay. You know, I want them to know I'm, I'm here. I, I want to do something. I want something to happen. And it works yeah. with some, and some of them it's maybe a little bit aggressive, but yeah. yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, that's good that you're honest about it, too. And uh, what I was trying to get at is the, point that I wanted to make is that lots of times I feel like I'm using someone in air quotes, right? Um, I don't want it to come off that way. But in the back of my mind, I'm almost like, oh, if Home Depot could give me, you know, so much wood, then I could make this, it would be free. And I could post it on my Instagram, or I could start a YouTube channel. And I almost feel like I'm using them just to get something for myself. Whereas I think I have to start uh, changing that perspective in my mind that really they're using me as a means to the end that they want a video that shows how to make a um a, a, you know a bench to go on your front porch and it'll be able to stand the test of time or you know be weatherproof to a certain extent because people are looking to do those same diy kind of um, diy projects with their two by fours or other you know common materials and i don't always see it that way i understand that that is kind of how they're looking at it but in my mind i feel like i'm the one approaching them as like this sly salesman how can i so let me flip this on you and and say that (laughs) if a company approached you and said like, hey, I'll pay you like 200 bucks to like feature this thing on your Instagram page and your YouTube channel. If you don't feel good about it, if you're like, yeah, that's an, like, I'm worth a little more, but you know, I'll do it. You don't feel good about that going into it. You're not going to have the enthusiasm. And it's just, it's not going to be a good partnership with that company. If you well approach another company and you're like, hey, I'm going to need like $300 of lumber to like make this bench or table someone at that company has to think it's a good idea before they're like yeah let's let's make this happen so 
if they accept it, you shouldn't have any guilt on your part because they have clearly decided that, hey, this is this is gonna be a win. It's it's more annoying when it's the other way around and you've got like like Yeah raid of viking ships or something like being like hey can i give you like five hundred dollars to, to plug my product and you, you don't really like that product that's where there's a if there is some kind of hesitation in your gut that you don't want to do it that's the kind of thing you want to avoid but if you have an idea if you legitimately think it's good and someone else in the company that you're approaching signs off on it um it's clearly like at that point it has to be a win-win so i wouldn't have nearly as much guilt if you pitch an idea and, and they accept it and, and i'll give it to you in one one extra way to really nail that point home you are way cheaper advertisement than any other method they've been used to before look what i'm wearing here i'm just wearing a free home depot <laughs> shirt that they this this is why their swag bags and all that stuff exists. They want you, um, you know, we got a free pair of gloves from somebody. They want you to be working that because they know you guys are posting anyways. So now I'm wearing a Home Depot shirt just because I had it laying around. I didn't want to put it, in, you know, it's a crappy big shirt to be honest. Not, but but I'm wearing a Home Depot shirt and now it's a free advertisement. So even the endorsements and sponsorships they're doing that is way 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 less cost than what they would ever have to do before i remember one talk and i know we're kind of coming to the end here but one talk we did real quick was um on they used to do sponsorships for all the people that had millions of views and now they've gone to micro influencing where they want everybody with smaller sponsorships so they could spread their wealth across way more sources that is that is what the companies are looking to do they said it that that is part of their their advertising structure so so don't feel bad. I mean that they it is actually not to make it sound even worse, but you, you're you're their discount of advertising, right? You are actually cheaper. So take it, use it for the best you can if it actually makes sense. Um, and and I've had sponsors where they've given me something and they don't even check up on me. They don't even reach out to say how's how's it been going because I'm so small they probably even forgot about me in their in their terms of budget. You know what I mean? And and I, I'll always keep up with my sponsors, but. I just noticed that I have to go. I normally have to reach out and say, "Hey, here's the product that we we, we agreed upon. Hope you enjoy." It. And they're always like, "Yeah, it's great, thanks." And and but but you're definitely you know cheaper than what they're normally used to. So it, it's it, it's a take it for all the value you can get to build yourself as a business. I think is kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. So what I learned is I'm a cheap thief, right? That's oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think. And here's one more question that probably comes up with other people if they're out there um, listening to this with you know early makers or like you're just starting off makers because this is the question I have what if I ask too often or how do I balance how often I ask for products for um, material and I think that's a question that's probably very dependent upon who you are what you're doing and what company you're asking but what would your guys answers or thoughts be on those questions so, Winston, have you ever reached out to a company to try and actually get something from them? I didn't specifically ask for anything. I was just trying to establish a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. But going to Luke's question, I think it depends on how often you can deliver. Like, um, I got stuff from Rockler before, and mm, it was like, it, it took me a couple weeks or a month to make a video about that. Uh, but if you're knocking out, like, weekly projects and... Like, let's say you just got like a, a 
let's say, drill driver combo or something, and you're like, hey, I just used this product in this video, and then you're like, next video I'm going to need like a, a jigsaw or something. Like, If you are constantly putting out content and you are um, like accomplishing what you set out to do in each pitch video you uh, propose, like then by all means, like keep talking to these people. Um, like look at uh, Paul Jackman. Like he he works a lot with the Carolina Shoe, and that's. Um, but like he has a certain video schedule, and it's just as many times as he produces a video, he plugs them a little bit. Um, so it comes down to like how often are you going to make videos? For me, it's like at most once a month at this point. Uh, I wish it was a little more often, but it, it comes down to how often are you going to be able to deliver what you say you're going to. And, and, and to add to that just a, a little bit, um, what I've done and what I've actually been asked to do, um, if you know you're going to, you know, know your plan, know yourself and know what you want to make. And I've actually found that sponsors want you to say, this is what I'm going to be making. Um, here's like two or three projects that are coming down the line. This is how I want to use your project. And they actually tell you to use, give them as many details as possible, sketches, everything, help them get the budget because they have to get some approvals. So if you know you want them for these three products, let them know what's coming up so they can budget for it um, and say, I'd love to start off with this. They might actually say, no, we don't want that. That We were actually going to say no to you, but now we might say yes to that second product that you actually sent us. Or it's, yeah, that first one sounds great. And now we know you have that second and third one. Let's do that first. And then come back, let's talk about the second, and then let's talk about the third and go that way. So um, I've actually been told, you know, pitch all of it, give them the plan of everything you want to do with them. Unless you don't want to work with them, obviously don't tell them that. But so so um, that that's how I, I, I've done it. And I, I think that works because I've had companies where I pitched three different ideas and they're like, that, that second one, that, that aligns with what we're looking for. Good job. Because they won't ever, the companies, I, I've seen this, they will not come out and say, this is the product we want you to do. They will all say, what products are you interested in making? And we'll see what aligns. And if you only pitch one and it doesn't align, you're getting a no. Um, if they can merge it a little bit and they really want to work with you, they'll do that, especially if you're a micro-influencer and, and the smaller end. But if you send three of them and you you know that one of the three worked and aligned, then you you might have actually made it happen. So don't be shy. Send send a whole plan. Send options. Um, and and it, you might actually get a better chance of of pairing up with the sponsor at that point, if that makes sense. So um, I think we've we've been here for about almost over an hour. So um, I, I think this has been great. Uh, maybe we'll call it done and then meet up again in two weeks and, and talk about whatever the next topic will be on the list. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds good. Yep. Awesome. Always great yeah, catching up with you guys. We'll catch you later. Yep. See you guys. Have a good one.